Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. Weather cooling off a bit here, which is very nice after this heat wave. EA and I did not plan this. If you're watching, we're, we're twinning. That. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I, I thought, hey, I'll go with the gray shorts today. I got the matching shirt. I brought out the gray training camp sneakers for the first wow, time. Wow. All right. And sure enough, they I look, look sparkly. <laughs> sure enough, I look across the hall and Ethan's got the same darn polo you even got a sticker on your shoe still i'll take it off (laughs) all right maybe you felt the same way um honestly the polo choice for me today was it's not coming to green bay good minds i guess think alike (laughs) i mean it's like throwaway day right get through monday right (laughs) laundry yesterday maybe today you know starting the packing pile and this polo unfortunately didn't make the cut for the road trip yeah it's okay polo is okay but uh you know you go power green or black yeah i think on the road (laughs) yeah yeah I, i that is definitely how i felt so with that being said the jets have joint practices later this week two practices before a walkthrough Friday and then the game at Lambeau on Saturday. But let's rewind the clock before we can look ahead. The Jets-Giants preseason game. The Jets 1-0 in the preseason. Yes, it has no bearing on the regular season record. We know that. But there still are things that we can take away from like an evaluation standpoint. So let's just start with the quarterback, Zach Wilson, because obviously that's a that's a big topic in – the NFL, I'd say, let alone the New York media. Did and you watch Sports Center after you got home uh, in the wee hours Sunday morning? Yeah, I did not. I popped it on. I don't watch Sports Center too much anymore, but I popped it on because I'm still wired after you get out of the press box and you're working for so many right. hours. And I was starving because I I skipped the chicken fingers in there, so I was eating a, a dinner at like one o'clock in the morning. But- <laughs> It was interesting the way they covered it because not only did Zach Wilson play Saturday night, but Trevor Lawrence did as well. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, played maybe later in the afternoon. So it was early in the afternoon. And, of course, Justin Fields got the day started. I I did not watch SportsCenter, but obviously that was like, on Twitter it was a huge topic. How did Justin Fields play? Then Trevor then Zach and Trey. And I heard somebody said, uh, put it out there that Zach Wilson had a quiet night. Yeah, I saw that too. And I th- think your headline was perfect. Ethan wrote that Zach Wilson was solid. Yeah. And he was. Well, before we can get to Zach Wilson, what was the 1 a.m. dinner? I had a leftover burrito from the night previous. We had gotten takeout Friday okay. night. And then, uh, had a couple pretzels and things like that. That sounds like a good 1 a.m. meal to me. (laughs) So Zach Wilson, yeah, he was solid. He finished the day completing six of his nine passes, 63 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. But I think really what we took away was he looked comfortable, quick decision. You saw the velocity at times. And my biggest takeaway is just his comfort level in his first preseason action. Yeah, he looked good. And uh, one thing that Robert Salas said after the game, I was actually in the locker room interviewing a few of the guys while this was taking place, but you go back and listen to it. And what stands out to you about Sala was that the third down conversions, you know, because in the NFL, in order to be successful at the quarterback position, you got to keep your team on the field. And he had a couple third down conversions 
I like what Mike LaFleur did as far as calling a game. You're not calling it like a regular season game. We know that. But the Jets got the run game moving. And, in fact, I believe – you can correct me if I'm wrong here. But Wilson's first throw was an easy one for him. It, it wasn't like, hey, you're going to sit back in the pocket, go through your reads. It's, they got him out on the move, and he found a wide-open Corey Davis. Yeah, and it wasn't really a – was a, probably like what a three or four yard pass. Corey Davis probably gained an extra three to four yards turning up field. I, I think it was encouraging. All you know, all signs were encouraging. The one thing that I think we should note is that the Giants, I, we don't know how many actual starters played that night. Didn't seem like a whole lot did. You were basically playing what the second team, right? Right. Yeah. But what do you hope to see? From the, you know, let's look ahead now in terms of. Zach well, you're Wilson already looking ahead. Well, well I, I just wanted to. I just talk like, the, can Zach. I just, can I just say that I like the conversion early on? That first drive ended with the field goal, Chris Nagar from 30. Right. But I just remember watching it from the uh, press box angle is uh, it's a third down. The, uh, the protection is very solid. Wilson just very solid back there and he hits Corey Davis. And how many times have we seen that out here on the practice field where this connection continues to convert on third down and then perhaps maybe his most impressive throw. I don't know. You'd have to ask him, but uh, the chunk gainer over in the middle at the end of the first quarter to Keelan Cole yeah, on third down. Yeah. yeah that, that was, that was a very nice throw as well. And, you know, I, I am going to table the Zach Wilson talk until the full look okay. ahead. All right. So so let's just talk about the Giants game. You mentioned the run game. I really thought that the offensive line fired off the ball. And in particular, Ty Johnson got the first carry. And I thought Ty Johnson showed, you know, a little extra burst against the Giants than you know, maybe we remember. I, we know he's a burner, no doubt. But it was nice to see that finally come together. You have to be very excited about the Jets' backs, not just because what we saw against the Giants, but just because what we've seen throughout the entire summer. And remember, Tevin Coleman did not play in this game. He was excused due to personal reasons, but Ty Johnson got the start. And then shortly thereafter, we saw Michael Carter in the backfield. And Michael Pirine was the guy out there in the second half. He had, a, I believe, a 12-yard carry there on a scoring possession and then on third down he barreled his way in and uh, you know we've been talking for weeks it seems maybe months about the different skill sets in the backfield and the jets have a lot of bodies they can throw at you and i think we saw that saturday against the giants ty johnson has speed to burn michael carter we didn't really see like a, a whole lot of chunk plays like he was known for the 20 plus yarders he didn't crack one of those but you you saw the patience and the vision also you got to remember it's michael carter's first game action in the nfl well michael p ryan on that run you talked about on the outside it was a toss and then runs up the sideline barrel somebody over he didn't even fall over like he didn't get tackled he got pushed out of bounds essentially and i thought that you saw a little bit of everything josh adams had an 11 yard carry as well so I think that we'll see what that unit looks like throughout the preseason. But I think all signs were encouraging again. And if you talk about I feel like most of the signs, whether we talk about offense, defense, special teams, most of it was encouraging. The one thing that was not encouraging, as I said, that was probably the Nagar 53-yard field goal attempt that sailed wide left. That's probably like the one thing as we're watching the game in real time where you're like, 
all right, that you know that that's a blemish. Yeah, and just getting back to the run game, you know, final stats: thirty-seven carries, eighty-nine, eighty-nine yards, two point four yards per carry. So a lot of people would say, oh, "Well, you didn't get anything going on the run game." But concentrate what happened there in the first quarter when the Jets had eleven carries, forty-eight yards, four point four yards of pop. You mentioned Ty Johnson before; they set the tone on that first drive. I believe his first carry went for 11 yards um special teams you mentioned Nagar missing from long distance uh the jets actually suited up without perhaps their best special teams performer a guy they're going to count on big time here this season and justin hardy um and then what do you want to see in the preseason is evaluations of your young players but uh what do you think about the defensive line? Uh, a lot of those guys like Carl Lawson, short nights, but they got after it early. Yeah, it was, I would say that was my favorite part about the preseason game was how frequently the defensive line applied pressure, not even the, the five sacks that they got. Mm. Sheldon Rankins, he had a QB hit the play before Bryce Huff took down Mike Lennon on the first drive. Then John Franklin Myers had a pass deflection. And then you even talk about guys like Hamaka Rashid, whose name is spelled Hamilcar Rashid, one of the great mysteries here on the Jets roster. And then Jonathan Marshall. Man, he uh, speaking of Rashid, that's a dream for oh, a defensive yeah. player. Oh, yeah. He unblocked, and the quarterback doesn't know you're coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure Joe Judge had a couple words for his offensive line in, in the film study, but I thought Jonathan Marshall had nice pressure. He and, was great. Uh, before before he left with a calf injury, Michael Dwumfor, yep. he had a half a sack, a fumble recovery. I mean, there was a lot going on in the trenches on the defensive line that you could point to as impressive. A Rutgers kid. And I, you know what? I go back after a game and, and look at my Twitter feed and say, wow, I should have pointed a couple more things out but so people know like what we're doing during the game is it's easier to tweet early on because then we start filing stories in the second half and then i was running downstairs um to the tunnel and then eventually the jets locker room there in the fourth quarter so yeah uh he's a guy a, a Rutgers product who popped i mean it seemed like every defensive player in that front seven was doing something impactful. How about, I'm going to apologize in advance if I butcher this, Jeremiah Vologa, mm -hmm. number 68 on the Jets defensive line. I think it's Vologa, V-A-L-O-A-G-A, Vologa. Yeah, I'm going to okay. go with Vologa yes. for now until I learn it you know, correctly. Yep. He was impressive too. He had that big tackle for Lawson. He's a tall guy. He's 6'6", 275. I think that this Jets defensive line, you know, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala want to build it up front. And we knew that the starting defensive line has real talent. This is without Quinn Williams even practicing yet. And we saw the reserve players and the guys who will be fighting for roster spots apply pressure throughout the game, which I thought was really encouraging. Yeah. And the guy, the headliner up there, of course, is lawson and he had three plays and two of them were pressures and huff had a sack on one and you mentioned the other one where rankins came barreling in uh on the in on the inside but a lawson every time he's out there like Salah says all, all he does is win he had three snaps and two legit pressures 
on the quarterback. Rashid um, ended up with four tackles and a sack and a half, and you have Bryce Hoff with the two sacks. Marshall uh, coming up with the safety. He said he's the one who got the safety. I don't know how they scored that here as I'm looking at the play-by-play, -play, but I thought from my vantage point, I was in the tunnel at that point, that Marshall was the first guy in. Yeah, it looked like Marshall definitely was the first guy in. Maybe maybe it was like, you know, Marshall got there and then somebody else somebody else helped clean it up so they delivered a half and half. What but... about what about the linebackers? I want to ask you real quickly about the linebackers. Mosley, <laughs> we saw him dominate that mm -hmm. scrimmage-like condition uh, on Saturday night, the previous Saturday with an interception and a PD. First play out against the Giants. He comes up with the PD. Here we go. You talk to Jared Davis after the game. We watch him on the practice field every day. Those two guys are the vets in there. Um, you had Hamza Nasruddin come up with a forced fumble. That was critical. And he also had a special teams tackle. But another guy is really popping, I think, is Jamie Sherwood. Yeah, I think Jamie Sherwood's one of those guys <laughs> he's one of those guys who probably plays better with pads on. Right. And I think you interviewed Jeff Albrecht and Jeff Albrecht talked about this a little bit a couple months ago, but he really hammered it home in your interview when he said that he don't, he doesn't know if he's seen a player, a rookie pick up a defense as quickly as Jamie and Sherwood has here with the jets. And I think Sherwood's a guy that's really coming on strong as of late. And I like what I see out of both those rookies in Sherwood and Nasrul Dean. And I think that this linebacking core, while if you're on the outside of the walls here at One Jet Strive, I understand you have questions about the linebacking core. You have C.J. Mosley, who looks great but hasn't played football in essentially two years. Jared Davis had a reduced role by the team that drafted him last year. He feels like this is a career rebirth opportunity for him, and he's flying around. You have two day three rookies college safeties, now linebackers. Like, I understand all the questions. This Noah Dawkins is a talented player, too, by the way. Yeah, I, I was glad <laughs> I'm you mentioned him. No, I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned him because I thought he was he had a, an impressive night as well. I just think that I understand the outside, and this group still has a lot to prove on the field, but all the boxes that you can check up to this point, I feel like have been checked. Yeah, and then the other guy right there who's done some good things when he stayed healthy is Blake Cashman. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how this all plays out over the next two weeks because you talked about it here at the onset. It's that we're reaching you know, turbo speed right now as far as the summer is concerned. We're going to be in Wisconsin tomorrow, a couple practices, a game, come back, day off, quick practice, two joint practices with the Eagles, day off, game, you're done. You're <laughs> done. It's a regular season. Yeah, it's going to go by extremely fast. We know that. In terms of Saturday's game, just two more things that I want to touch on. One is the cornerbacks, cornerbacks, because that, that's been a position where we've kind of seen the rotation on the outside. And Bryce Hall and Bless Austin, who I think most people would pencil in as day one starters for this team in the regular season, they didn't have a whole lot of playing time and then the rest of the young guys who Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich and Jets fans want to see play, they got the majority of the run. And just on a guy like Brandon Eccles, we saw him get flagged early, but then he comes back and he has a great one-on-one -on -one matchup. I mean, when I say great, I mean like it's just him and him and the receiver, deep ball. You saw the 4-3 speed, and he made a nice play on the ball to knock the ball away. Yeah, he finds the football. There are guys who can run, and they don't find it. Eccles is a guy who we've seen 
throughout these practices out here. He's come up with a number of PDs. Also, that gives you some kind of light as far as his mentality, right? Because he didn't sulk after the pass interference penalty. He kept on playing. He's got he plays with a lot of confidence. I think he plays with a lot of swag. Though other guys, as far as undrafted free agent, while Eccles was drafted, who we should keep an eye on once he gets back to practice, hopefully as soon as the Jets like uh, Isaiah Dunn as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him. That's going to be part of the, the look ahead for <laughs> Green Bay because hopefully the Jets got a lot of their injured players back. Is it time to give Javelin Gidry some more love, though? Yeah, we, I feel like we've given him a little bit of love the past two weeks, but Javelin Gidry just continues to make plays, and he's been very impressive ever since he got more run at the end of the 2020 season. In the limited time, he had four forced fumbles. He had two in the same game. I mean, there's a lot to like about Javelin Gidry. I like the nickel position. I think the nickel position ultimately could become a strength for the Jets. I know it's early. I know it's early. And, and Brian Poole was here the last couple years, and we saw Gidry excel down the stretch. You got Michael Carter, Elijah Campbell, um, all battling and out. But I've liked what I've seen from those guys. I like the speed of really both sides of the ball, but on defense, even – even the second and third stringers that we saw play, it seemed like the general speed of the team is definitely faster than what we've seen in the past. And I, I want to, this is how I, I think we should put a bow on last Saturday's game. It's got to be with the receivers and let's lead off with Denzel Mims because not only did Denzel Mims have that great third and 18 play short play, he got the little bit of the shake and bake off, off the reception. He got the speed to get upfield, and then he powered his way to get the first down. After the game, he told the media that he had asked for more special teams reps to try to, I don't know why, but he, you know, try to make a mark on this team. And on kickoff, I remember seeing him the first kickoff of the game. He was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Denzel Mims specifically on this play because he ran in the four threes at the combine and he was flying. Well, you know exactly why he's, you know, asking for reps on special teams. It's like, hey, you want to be a big time contributor on the roster. Uh, you want to tell the coaches that I'm here for you. And that speaks to his mindset. Again, he had some food poisoning this off season, coming back from that, losing the 20 pounds. Um, but he started to come on, I think late here. In, I wouldn't say late in camp, but late in the week, he, he put together a couple good practices. And then out there in the game, three catches, I believe 51 yards. Of course, that conversion stands out. That was one of the best individual efforts of the entire game. When you go on third and 18 and you're taking a five yard pass and you're, you're converting with 15 more yards, you're getting 20 and all. But again, what Sala pointed out after the game, size, length, speed, those are the three things with Denzel Mims and he makes it look effortless. Uh, when we see him tracking the football, the long ball here out on a practice field, because some guys they'll change up their stride. He, he seems like he can find it and he'll get that ball in stride. Uh, he, he is a vertical threat. And, and that just also speaks to the fire. I think what you saw in special teams. I think what we have to remember about Denzel Mims is this is really his first training camp because he didn't have a training camp last year because of injury. And this would be about the time in training camp that you would want to see a player drafted in the second round, like really start to, to make an in, uh, start to improve. And I think we've seen that with Denzel Mims. Obviously he has eight games under his belt from last season, but you like what you see. And now 
moving forward to Green Bay, yes, the Jets might get a handful of injured players back like Quinn and Williams, maybe Elijah Vera Tucker, maybe Elijah Moore, Braxton Berrios. Uh, you mentioned Isaiah Dunn. Mm. There, there's a lot of players that the Jets could be getting back who are considered in the day-to-day range. But overall, when the Jets have joint practices with the Packers and Green Bay, what do you hope to see in those two days more so than the game? The Packers had seven Pro Bowlers last year. Devontae Adams, who, what, where would you put that receiver? Uh, uh, top short the list. list. Yeah, short list. Probably. Top, top two? Top three? <laughs> I, I, top one? Yeah, he, you, uh, but you could make the argument for top one, top two, top three, but there will be people that will say top five because they like, you know, they like certain players over certain over him. You know what I mean? You know, you might, I, I would put him top one or two route runner in the NFL. How about that? Okay. Where would you put Diggs? Top one or two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so getting back to Adams, I'm going to connect it to the Jets receivers here. I talked to Vincent Smith after the game, and he played very well himself out there, not only offensively having three catches against the Giants, but he made a fantastic play on special teams, deflecting the ball out of bounds at the one-yard line. But I asked him about the week coming up, and he said, yeah, I can't wait to watch him in person. You know, so that speaks to the respect of a guy who plays the receiver position who won't be facing Devontae Adams, but you spoke of the cornerbacks before. Bryce Hall, bless Austin, Brandon Eccles, maybe Isaiah Dunn. They're going to be seeing big-time talent this week. So that's one of those things that you look forward to in joint practices. Aaron Rodgers not playing a preseason game this year, a preseason snap, but that Jets defensive line – We'll see Aaron Rodgers wearing the red jersey. They can't hit him. But let's see what they can do as far as against the Packers' offensive line. And they have a couple Pro Bowl players up front along that offensive line. So that's going to be a good matchup. And then, of course, what's Wilson going to do now? He saw another team for the first time in the Giants, Mm -hmm. but now he's going to get quite familiar with the Packers over the course of basically three sessions. And – on the Packers defense in particular, two guys I want to point out. One, Jair Alexander, yep. very, very good cornerback. How are the Jets receivers going to go up against that Packers secondary, specifically Alexander? And also, how's Mekhi Becton going to do against somebody not named Carl Lawson? Because Zadarius Smith, very impressive player for the Packers. And Carl Lawson has had a very good camp. And I think that listening to both Becton and Lawson talk about, you know, iron sharpens iron, steel sharpens steel, that kind of metaphor. Well, when they go to Green Bay, how improved will each one of them be against their new opponent? I'm curious to see how that plays out. So we're going to be live each day. Uh, You know, hopefully people are listening to this Tuesday night or whatever, but Wednesday and Thursday as practices get underway there in Green Bay, uh, we will be live. You can't show team activities, um, uh, unfortunately. That's that's just the way it is because I actually think some of the best work this week, and Salah has talked about it, where you're going to get some of your most impactful work uh, will be those practice reps. You know, And then how much will you see Zach Wilson Saturday night against the Green Bay? 
I think that's a question. I think that question will will be determined by Sala and Matt LaFleur. I think they'll probably have a conversation about how long each of them are going to run their starters. Isn't that what Sala said? He's planning on doing against the Eagles for the third preseason yeah. game. Like he wants to come to an agreement right. with the Eagles. Like, oh, like what, what, what do you want to do here? Are, are we going starters? Are we going all reserves? How do you want to handle this? So, Can you speak to how close Sala and Matt LaFleur are? And then also how about the dynamic we, we got going here? Not with just Sala, Matt LaFleur, but Mike LaFleur. Well, for those who don't know, Robert Sala was Matt LaFleur's best man at his wedding. So they're extremely close. Michael Floor, obviously close to Sala from San Francisco, let alone the relationship that predated their time in San Francisco together because of that. I, I must assume, like, if you're Matt LaFleur and you're Robert Sala, like, what's going to transpire here over the next week? Really, like, that's the kind of stuff when you're, like, a GA and you're talking to each other. You're like, can you imagine one day, like, we're both coaching in the league. You know, we play against each other. We have joint practices, like, stuff like that. Like, it must be so cool for both of them to finally be able to have this moment. Yeah, and then how also productive is this going to be? Because these guys know inside, uh, know each other inside and out, and they have such a close relationship, and they have such respect for each other and love for each other. So these guys are going to take care of both of their teams, but I think you're just going to get a great week for both sides. I think so as well. And I want to add that this conversation I made up, uh, when they were GAs, probably eating like fast food or ramen noodles or something because they didn't make a lot of money. Uh, uh, what do you think Sala was like as a 24-year-old, 25-year-old? <laughs> you know? I, I think... Because he's so cerebral. Yeah. Um, He's so measured. He's so intelligent. I just never could see a Robert Sala having a, having a crazy time. <laughs> I could see it. You could see it. I, I could see it, but I could also see like there's a time and place. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. maybe when he was around around his friends, maybe somebody like Matt LaFleur, maybe they're crushing some ramen noodles, <laughs> playing some video games, hanging out, shooting the breeze, you know, whatever. And then when it's time to go to work, it's time to go to work. And then he becomes the person that you just described. Yeah. Uh, uh that would have been cool to see those guys early on in their careers. Um, but uh, so successful and um uh, yeah it's gonna be interesting i've never been to lambeau field so that will be a first for me because every time the jets have played green bay we either had somebody else on the road or i was back here for some kind of programming duties uh where it was originating from one jets drive so uh this is you excited yeah this is, you ever heard of a spotted cow no it's beer only supposedly only brewed sold poured in wisconsin oh yeah and I, i'm interested to see what the fan turnout is gonna be yeah me too yeah i'm excited for this trip as well and we'll we'll have a full recap when we come back here to florham park but that's all we have on this edition of the official jets podcast remember jets packers joint practices this week then we got the preseason game next Saturday. And we're going to touch base with folks here on the pod. I think we're trying to do something from Wisconsin, we're try, yeah, right? We're trying to do something from Wisconsin. We'll see how that plays out. But we're hoping that will make it work. And we'll see you for the next episode of the official Jets podcast.